Jeff here. Thanks for listening. Go to playvolutionhq.com slash ccbag or click the link in the show notes for the show's archives, ways to connect, ways to support the show, information about happy hour, and more. I'm Jeff Johnson coming to you from the Snuggery uh, along the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, with me at Happy Hour, we've got a, a cast of, well, about five right now. I don't know who's going to show up. Listeners, this is a new thing we're trying. The uh, When do we got this? The fourth Tuesday of the month at 7.30 p.m. Central Time. You can uh, you can sign up and join us at Zoom for an episode. You can just go to playvolutionhq.com slash ccbag, or you can look in the show notes, and there's probably a link there. Anybody want to introduce themselves before we jump into this? I'm Debbie from Washington State. I'm Heather from uh, Beaumont, California. I'm Clevet from Berkeley, California. <laughs> I'm Clevet from Hi. Southern California. Hi. And Hi. I am Sally from Deep South Texas. Oh my my gosh, Clevet has got a very cute little human being with her. Um, so uh, first, since this is a happy hour and this is the first one we're doing this, I got a anybody else got a shot? I got a shot of uh, rum. I got a so, shot. So uh, we'll get that we'll get that out of the way. Um, so we're going to get into this episode. We don't know where this is going to go, but uh, we're going to start with something I messed up. So a while ago, when we first got the uh, the listener voicemail slash text line. Uh, Debbie e- actually emailed before that with the topic. I misunderstood the topic. We did an episode on the topic, and then she sent a message to to correct me. But I, I look, I'm new to handling audio files, and I misfiled it after I thought we'd recorded it. But anyway, Debbie, why don't you jump in and tell us what your original comment was and how we messed up and what we should actually be talking about, and then we can jump in and see where we can go from there. We can do that. So my situation is is that I have a group of kids that come in. It's typical routine. They get to choose their play, but I have one boy that comes in late notoriously and their parents maybe just can't get them here. Mom works for home. So when she kind of has a moment, she can zoom them over to me and drop them off. So by the time he gets here, all the play is set. Everybody's got their groups. They've already made the rules. They've set their play. And so he comes in as a late comer and been trying to get him to infiltrate the play but he pretty much just blows everybody's play up he'll walk in he'll if if the girls have the dollhouse he'll knock over all the dollhouses he'll if the boys have the trains up he'll destroy the train set and I try to direct him that way but if I go change a diaper that's when it happens He'll blow up their play to get him to play with them, but then they don't want to play with him. So they oust him. So he's a out liar. So and they won't play in, with him. He comes in and totally Godzilla's the place. That's what he's doing. He's trying, I think he's trying to nicely play. You know, uh-huh. I coach him. He, he'll gonna like who wants him you know whatever his name is I won't say his name um you know wants to play let him play with you guys so they go we will and then but it's already set so they kind of tell him the rules this is what we're doing and but if I go change a diaper he'll just destroy it all Let, let's give him a name we'll call him let's call him Todd Heather your head is nodding uh you you have you dealt with a Todd before at the last center I was at, um, we had a lot of that because kids came at really different times. So there would be, uh, you know, 
kids would be really engaged in play. And there were just a lot of those personalities that didn't know how to interplay. And so their way of entering play was just like to be kind of, yeah, that Godzilla just like and take over or, you know, or try to change the rules or just, you know, or there would be just that personality clash that would start the, everything devolving really quick. Um, yeah, it's, it's really, it's a really big challenge because you just never have enough adults to help, you know, monitor all those situations, especially like where, where I was, we had pretty big classroom, um, you know, maybe 18 kids at a time. So you have a lot of situations where those can happen. And we had a lot of personalities that we had a lot of big personalities that, and there were a lot of, uh, it was funny, Sally, what Sally said before we started recording is there, there were a few of the kids that had already been labeled as these kids that were the trouble. And so if they entered a play situation, they were always to blame for what went wrong in that play situation. And I really had to work hard to flip the script because I could see that it wasn't that child that was causing the problem. It was this, it was this perception that that child was the one. And so every, everybody would just automatically blame, we'll say, we'll call him Samuel. And then they would just like, oh, Samuel ruined it. Samuel came. And I was like, Samuel didn't do anything. Samuel was just engaging in play. And, you know, the conflict was totally not with Samuel. But it took a while for people to start recognizing that, oh, it isn't. He isn't causing trouble. But there, he had this reputation. He had gotten this label. And it just kept passing from assistant teacher to assistant teacher. So, um, yeah, it's a really it's a really difficult uh, situation. So I was nodding just because I, I definitely have been in that situation and trying to navigate that. Anybody else dealt with that? Um, well, Sally here. Um, so I've definitely dealt with that. And I've been uh, listening to both you, Debbie and Heather, and just kind of embracing both of what you guys had to say. And there's a moment where I just want to step back and say, okay, let's all take a moment for Todd or any other kid that comes into the program and he's not right on time, right? He doesn't get to live on his schedule. As adults, we get to kind of, I mean, obviously we're trying to rush the kids out the door. We're trying to get everybody's shoes on and do the socks match and the whole nine. But we finally, we get everybody out the door, we get them on, we go on to work and that's our day. However, the shoes were not found easily the socks didn't match. My mom was fussing at me because I didn't get in the car right away. Now I get to school. Everybody's playing. Everybody's excited. Everybody's involved in what they want to do today. And now I have to pick one and hope they'll let me in. But none of these rules make sense to me because as a three and four-year-old, let's just say they're preschoolers. As a three and four-year-old, we're not looking at clearly explaining rules, right? We, we have all these little conversations that happened in between. We're telling you what the rules are because we came to some agreements along the way. So now we're handing you rules that are kind of parsed, so to speak. So it's this continual upset of how do I fit into this situation? And I can't fit into this situation. Oh, wait, the grown-up that actually has some ability to help monitor this situation stepped away. Let's some shit up. Okay. <laughs> so that's where my brain is going just as little backstory, I've worked in special education for a very long period of time. And one of the things I saw often was that situational upset that Heather, you're 100% correct. It was always, well, it's Samuel. Well, it's Johnny. Well, it's Tom, Dick and Harry. They had that kind of day and it's their fault and they were doing this and they interrupted what was going on. And it wasn't the well, let's take that step back and say, hey, this is where we are. And how do we, how do we flip that script? How do we flip it in a way that's actually functional for Samuel? How do we flip it in a way that's actually functional for the whole program so that the day can be enjoyable? So D Debbie, would he, look, it sounds like he's not trying to be malicious. He's just trying to, he's just being, he's just being him. He's just being Todd. He's just todding mm -hmm. around. Or is he, or is he, he can be vicious. Sure. So sure. if it doesn't he, go his way, he'll he'll blow, you know, blow it all up and 
he he kind of sounds like me walking into any social setting when I'm in the mood for it. Like, hey, look at me. Um, other times I'm like, hey, don't look at me. But uh, um, would he would he be acting the same way? Is it because he's showing up late or is it because that's just the way he is? So there was some time that I asked mom, I go, is there any way you can bring him earlier? Can maybe dad bring him early? So when it was like really early in the morning, because dad is in the Air Force, so he dropped him off really early. So he was there to set the play, completely different day. Because he was there, he set it up. He was the one who got the first choice to get what he wanted out, even though it's the same thing. It seems like the boys, when the boys show up early, boy toys come out. And if the girls show up early, then the girl toys are heavy. So it's just kind of, and I don't, it goes against my philosophy is and let them choose. So it's a completely different when he's the was the first one in, but of course that didn't last very long. Um, and I noticed that and I tried to use that with him. Uh, but he, if something doesn't go his way, he would just, just, you know, basically flip the table and be done unless I'm right there and kind of see what's going on. And I kind of call him or talk him off the ledge, but it's only when I turn my back for some particular reason is when, you know, He'll blow it he goes all so. Godzilla. Joe, do you have any thoughts? One of my questions um, is, it, does he act the same way when he's outside as when he's inside? Um, wondering, you know, like if the, if, uh, you know, you were to, to move, I don't know what your situation is, but, you know, like if you were able to move the group outside or just, you know, him outside and if that's where, you know, if there was a choice to play, um, if that would be something that would if help. I know we have an indoor-outdoor program. So um, if a child needs to or wants to be outdoors, there's usually two teachers in the classroom and one can just, our backyard, our outdoor classroom is right outside of all of the classrooms. They open up onto a bigger space. And so I know that that's helped, you know, children who've come in dysregulated and it just helps them like kind of calm down a little bit and, you know, just like kind of get their bearings um, with a bigger space. I don't know. So, yeah, we've done that too. Um, I have an indoor outdoor situation as well. So I can have a staff person outside and when he chooses to play with the, he's four. So he wants to play with the boys. So if they for, have chosen inside, then he'll choose inside. If they choose outside, he'll choose outside. Um, but then, of course, the kids kind of, he's labeled that, so they don't want to play with them. So I, I don't want to force the other children to play with him. So I try to give him, I've tried, um, like, him be the starter of something. If something, if he's asked for something, ask him what he wants to play with or something like that, have him be the starter. Um it's still a little, nobody wants to participate with them. So I don't know. I just, I feel for them, but I under, I feel for the other kids. I can't, I don't want to disavow everybody else's feelings as well saying, well, we have to accept him. And yeah, so I'm, it's really torn. Sorry, that is confusing, but yeah, I mean, you're trying to create an environment where everybody's needs are being met, and if he's got these this need to to Godzilla or be the center of attention or or whatever he's looking for, and everybody else is like chill out, dude. Um, it's it's really hard to to create an environment. Clevet, you got any thoughts? That just reminds me of a child who was in her program last school year. And it was, I mean, it's kind of almost the same thing um, that Debbie was saying, or Deborah. Um, and he wasn't in my classroom, but he was in my colleague's classroom, who is also my friend. So she would kind of vent to me about the day. And it was kind of a similar thing. Like he, depending on who dropped off, then that kind of set the tone of whatever, you know, was going to happen in the day. 
And then it got to the point where other children didn't want to play with him. And then he noticed and he would say like, oh, well, how come nobody wants to play with me? Or, you know, whenever I go and I want to play with them, they tell me no, or they walk away from me, or they're running away from me, they're ignoring me. So I think he kind of realized those things. So we just kind of made a connection to like, oh, well, when they're building something and you just come in and you destroy everything, like, well, why do you think that they are saying no to you? So kind of making him like stop and realize like, you know, or telling him to like, is there another way that you can join or ask to play instead of just coming in and destroying whatever they're doing? And just guiding him in that way. And sometimes it helped. And other times, like, it just kind of went in through one ear and out the other. And it just, I don't know. It was like a long roller coaster. And who knows, you know, if, if that helped. Because we don't, the child left the program to go to kindergarten. So we don't know what it's going to be like in kindergarten for him. Well, and that, that's always the plus side, right? They're going to move on. So, so whatever problem you have, I mean, eventually it's going to come to an end, but I was just really distracted because, because Jody, are you sitting on a yoga ball? I am. Really? Yeah. Oh, I totally guessed it. I was wondering why you were, <laughs> why, why am you I were, bouncing? Why you were bouncing. And, and that's the only, the only way of reason I could, I could think of. Um, uh, well, that's that. What color is it? Orange. Orange. I mean, that would be my go-to yoga ball. Um, <laughs> um choice um <laughs> i can't look at you it's um, okay great. Was, no no you can go ahead go ahead just just, no it's awesome super nervous so you know uh, so what i mean what's the takeaway here that some kids are aggravating and eventually they move away or go to another school oh. I don't know. I think what Sally said earlier too, like matters a lot because you don't know what their life is like at home and you don't know what their morning is like. And, you know, maybe this is the only way that they can receive any kind of attention at home. So maybe in their little brains, it's like, oh, well, I have to do the same thing here in order to receive some sort of attention or nurture or love or a hug or even you know, you hold my hand and like, talk to me, even though it's some sort of negative or unwanted behavior, like maybe for them, like it's what they're used to and they don't know how to know what the difference is or I don't know. Sure. If, if those strategies work at home or at grandma's house or wherever else the kid spends time, um, why not try employ, employing them at, uh, at, at Debbie's program? And, and, and the problem is that the strategies that work one place don't always, always work, work some, some, someplace else, um, which, is, which is kind of, kind of sad. Can I ask, um, how long has Pod been in your program, Debbie? I actually had him as a baby, so he was with me. He does have two older siblings with special needs. I've taken that into consideration. Um, so, and they're nonverbal, so I'm sure that's how he communicates with them, just the kamikaze type of thing. Uh, so I've just tried to you know, work with him differently because he did go on to kindergarten. So the situation kind of rectified itself with me, but I was trying to give him those tools to take with him. Yeah. So yeah, I've had him since he was a baby and, you know, we we're tight. I'm still tight with the family and everything. It's just it just breaks my heart. I didn't know if maybe somebody else had other suggestions because I pretty much pulled everything out of my toolbox. And can I ask you have a you have a family home child care? I do. My dream. Anywho, um, <laughs> so likely at some point in time we'll have another Todd, right? So we all talk about twenty one days to break a habit, right? You have to 
Yep. Do the same thing over and over and over again to break a habit. How quickly do you form a habit? Well, babies learn that by crying, they get what they want, right? They get what they need, not what they want. Let me correct myself. They get what they need. So being with you as a baby, was he still frequently a late comer? Was that part of his program back then? Is that kind of systematic for him? Yes, they were always a late, late comers. They want to come early, but they never can get it with the two other children with special needs. They can't really get it together to get them here. So I just kind of, you know, I did it for the child, knowing that he needs me and I let him come whatever time. There's, I know there's some centers that like everyone has to be there at nine and where I'm like, if you can get them here, I'll take them. And, you know, just do the best I can with him. Cause I know my house is probably the normal, norm, normal type environment where at home with the special needs children, it can be a little volatile and stuff. So mm. I know why he's doing it. I just, I didn't know how to help him more. Yeah. And, and that could, I mean, that could be hella frustrating right i mean i had those experiences with the kids that you're doing everything you can and you've got these long relationships with them and and then there's just something that you you can't sort out and and sometimes it's it's a kid thing sometimes it's a parent thing but it's it's just it's just a a a battle that i think if you spend any length of time in this profession that you have to deal with sometime huh I just want to kind of ask the group if I can. Um, I know I've been in this situation like you're talking about before, and it sounds like everybody else has had something similar at some point in time. I will say how I tried to address it one time, maybe twice it was actually successful, but I didn't learn it until later on. A lot of times it was not successful, but I tried to rather than fit them into the routine, change the routine to fit them without disturbing the group as a whole. Like it wasn't breaking up my day to say, hey, who wants to dance? So at least 60% of my kiddos wanted to dance. So we would all dance and kind of break up the play for a moment. And they were okay with being disrupted from their play. I know we don't necessarily want to do that, but it broke it up enough that they could kind of ease attention and group back in together that was successful for me a couple of times other times no no sauce like (laughs) he just wanted to be in the play and the play already started and the day was over or she what what Um, kind of what kind of dancing was it uh was it uh hip-hop was it waltzing was it uh 100 african scarves and then we had some maracas and some clamshells. No, it was all kinds of dancing. Whatever my kiddos seemed most into. I was like, hey, who wants to drum? Who wants to? And they loved that part of the day. They loved that free flow that um, luckily sure. because music doesn't bother me too much I'm, or different clamoring sounds don't tend to disrupt my flow. I'm like, grab whatever you want. Let's do this. And I would find a beat somewhere in there and everybody would go. Everybody would just kind of go with it. So I assume since you're in Texas, it was ZZ Top that you were dancing to. Um, you know, I actually have a family member that lives right down the street from ZZ Top. Haven't oh, met all, them yet. All, those, those, they, they live together, do they? No, no, no. Right down the street. Right down the street. ZZ Top has a huge ranch. Okay. This is Texas. Come on now. We need some land. Uh, I mean, um, all, all the, 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 the two remaining ZZ Top guys live together. I mean... I'm not 100% sure. I just know that I drive by it. It's a ZZ Top right across oh, the, the, ZZ, I, the ZZ Top <laughs> compound. Oh man, you learned something. Hey listeners, you're not going to you're not going to get that kind of information on any other early learning podcast. Um, yeah, but so, something breaking up. But I, I want to transition here a little bit because when we were talking before we got started and 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 Sally, it, it sounds like like your kid just got accused of being a Godzilla in in his summer program what's going on with that um so i am very tall uh uh, for a woman if we're gonna put it like that Uh, my husband is not he's very uh short for a man but anyhow um we created a very tall child 
And um, he is at least three to four sizes larger than most kids his age. He is seven. He is five foot tall. He is in a size 12. Um, he is a beanpole. Like when I say I cinch the straps to keep the shorts on his body and then wrap a belt around it. Um, but he is bursting full of energy. And so we moved him to a few different programs. Not that I really like to change up the flow, but we moved him to a few different programs to try to find something that fit. He's in a martial arts program now, which I'm like, great. He's going to get to move. He's going to get to do all the things that he, that big, heavy body play that was taken from him and other programs because he's so much bigger than his friends. And uh, he's been there for about a week. And my husband went to pick him up yesterday and uh, they stated, you know, this is not a problem. He's not in trouble, but I do need to let you know that while horseplay is totally accepted here, he cannot horseplay because he's just too big. And so I understand that this is something that just because my kiddo is a larger kiddo, this is something that he's going to have to learn. And, and I being a little too mom and a little too early childhood educator about this, that I need to kind of step down a little bit. I'm a little frustrated because where do I find the movement? Where do I find the big body play for my kiddo who does not fit in your box? So one of the great things about rough and tumble play is that when kids have some support and experience with it, they, they, they develop this ability to, to restrain themselves a little bit when they're, they're interacting with somebody with lesser abilities. And so the solution to this problem isn't banning this child from this kind of activity it's giving him more of it in a supervised environment so he can learn that that little bit of self-control that that we only develop through practice he, he needs to learn that hey i'm bigger than these guys and and so i need to use a little bit less uh, less pressure when i grab a hold of them and i used to need a little bit less force when i push them and and instead of banning him from that kind of play they should be encouraging him in it so that he can learn those skills. But of course, I'm just some dick on the internet. So what do I what do I know? Um, thoughts? Can I just how ask? About, how about encouraging the other kids to also communicate when it's too much? Like instead of just like he has to be the one that can't do it. How about the other kids are encouraged to like, hey, you know. You need to let him know when something goes a little too much and you get at your communicate with those things. It, that's really frustrating because that was exactly what was happening at the center. The, the Samuel was um, much bigger than everyone else. And so again, he was, he was the problem because he was bigger. And I've had that in other centers where um, my last year as a director, one of the teachers was just like frustrated with this student and she was just always complaining about the student and, and it was just because he was bigger and she just, and he didn't have great, he was still very toddlerish in some of his mannerisms. And so he didn't have great control. And she just, she always thought that what he did was malicious. And I was like, it's not malicious. He's just learning how to navigate his body. And he, he can't, he can't help that he's bigger than the other kids. Like he can't control that. His mom's, his mom's super tall. Dad is super tall. Like the kid is going to be big. And um, I've seen that in a lot of the class, either like students I've had or as a director with other teachers. And it's just, it's really frustrating because they always want to put that label on those children that, you know, they're the problem and they have to now like reduce what they do instead of helping the class together as a community navigate that and say, oh, okay. You, you, your legs are much longer. You can like, you, you know, or you're, you're a foot taller than him. So when you grab him, your, your, your grab is a little stronger or, you know, however it works out, but we're not doing any, these kids, any service to the, 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 the child that's larger. We're not helping them learn to navigate around smaller children and smaller children. We're not helping them to navigate against someone who's bigger, who might do something they don't like. We're just like, nope, 
everybody just has to sit in their corner and like don't everybody don't move or the big kid doesn't get to do anything and everybody yeah. else gets to play. I think that's the, the go-to response in a lot of programs is you can't control your body. So you don't get to practice. And that's going to be, that's going to be just crazy frustrating for everybody involved. What did you have Clevet? I just wanted to know what Sally said and what, what she, or how she reacted to it. I think it's, I think it's tricky sometimes too, because you're right. Like you have like your parent hat, but then your early childhood educator hat. And sometimes you don't know, like that happens a lot with me and my husband. And I'm like, Oh no, it's because you don't, you know, and it's just, this constant thing. So sometimes I have to kind of put on more of that parent hat, but it's, it's impossible because you, you're those two things at the same time. But I'm just curious to know like how you reacted to that. Cause I don't know how I like what I, I'd probably be pissed and say something. Did you, did but... you go, did you go all mama bear on them? <laughs> okay. So what happened was, um, like I said, uh, my son has moved a few times. Uh, this is actually, unfortunately, I, I hate to even say it like this, but this is the least of the recent evils I've been putting up with as far as my child and his ability to be a human. Um, I have not had a direct conversation with them yet. I honestly, I was kind of hoping it might actually come up tonight or that I might, that the story tonight would bring up some snippets of wisdom as to how to not take all of those experiences that I've had recently and unleash them on these unwitting humans also, and just say, hey, by the way, let's go ahead and talk about developmentally appropriate behavior. Because while my son looks like he's 10, he's seven. He's, and he is 100% seven. He's, he's sure. not your mature seven. I mean, he's, he's extremely bright. He's, he's a wonderful, generous, sincere human being, but he is seven and he needs to move and he needs to lift things. And he is absolutely going to take that nerf gun and shoot you in the ass the second you turn around because that's life. And you need to know it. Like he's he's one he's ready for every opportunity. So I'm trying to find that medium between going in there and telling them exactly all of the reasons why that they should change their approach and having a conversation about what their actual expectations are and that unconscious bias that they immediately have, right? We all have unconscious bias, that unconscious bias that they immediately have that this is a huge kid and he's wrestling with the kid who's way smaller, mm-hmm. two years older, but way smaller and, and how to frame that in a way that's actually useful. I, I, I mean, I say go full mama bear on them. It sounds delightful. <laughs> Anybody have any more grown up opinions? Um, this is Debbie. I would suggest, since you're in early childhood education, think about how you would want someone to talk to you about the situation with their child type of thing. Because if it sounds like their program allows rough and tumble, well, then it should be freely chosen. So if that other child chose to wrestle, then was the other child actually hurt? Or was it the adult thinking it wasn't lopsided? So I would maybe ask more, try to collect some more information, kind of like what was the other child hurt? Was he wrestling with someone who didn't want to participate? You know, that type of thing. So maybe gather some more information and then have a chat and you know, with your son and say you are larger than everybody else and so maybe you should um, not be so rough kind of ask them is this okay is this and we'll have him have some tools but I would ask questions first and then maybe have the conversation with your son after more information but think about how you would want someone to confront because usually that the other kid was mean, 
and you know my child this and then he's like well wait a minute you know we'll get the whole story first and then kind of move forward well fair, I'm gonna you, we'll say oh sorry go ahead jeff i was just gonna say anybody else want to jump in um for that much, I will say it was established that they were both 100% engaged in the play. There was no unnecessary roughness. There were no flags thrown. Um, it was literally, and, and I think this might have to do part with the fact that they have chosen to be an unlicensed program. They're a little more reserved mm -hmm. about the possibility that things could get out of hand if a parent gets upset because somebody gets hurt well why did you let this huge kid trample my kid so I think there might be some of that going on but I absolutely 100% agree Debbie thank you so much for for putting that to the forefront of my mind to take that moment to ask more questions because it's the only way we're actually going to get somewhere so it, it it sounds to me like like staff who don't have a lot of experience with rough and tumble play they might have an experience with the martial arts but not rough and tumble play because, because I, I mean, a couple simple strategies would, would even the playing field. Um, if, if your, your son was told, okay, you're, you're bigger than this other guy. You gotta, you gotta be on your knees when you guys rough and tumble, or you gotta be on your knees with your, your right arm behind your back, um, to, to, to make it even, um, because and 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 then having staff kind of kind of guide that i i you know what you need to do is you need to to send them a link to um the the amazon link to mike huber's book um embracing rough and tumble play uh and and maybe uh, look uh mike's got a, a podcast by by um i think the podcast has got the same name um that he that he talks about this and 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 maybe maybe what what they need is the staff needs more resources so they can understand that play and and understanding about about play face and about consent and 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 those kind of things around rough and tumble play so so that your kid just because he's he's big gets treated like a seven-year-old because he's a a seven-year-old he's just a a big seven-year-old I was wondering if they have, do they have guidelines, you know, for the rough and tumble play? Um, you know, is there like something that the kids come up with, um, you know, make the rules or is it, you know, a, a grown up who's, who's in for, you know, enforcing, you know, the rules or, you know, like what are the rules? So like you can work with him at home or, you know, you can say, I'll work with him at home, but can you tell me what, you know, what it is that he needs to remember or, um, you know, just like, I mean, as a community, I would think that there would be like, oh, okay. So, you know, this is, these are the things that can happen. You know, you, it's really fun. You want to do it. And then sometimes you want to stop, but you need to know how to stop, you know, how to say stop. Um, like Heather was saying, you know, like it's, you just have to have, you know, those things. And it's, it's a learning process, you know, kids need to, to practice it. And so I feel like, um, you know, like those are, those are some questions to also ask them, you know, like, what are, what are they doing to prepare the community, you know, to prepare all of the kids, not just your sure. kid, why does it have to be your kid, you know, just because he's bigger and they expect more because he looks like he's 10 when he's seven, like, that's not fair. Um, so, and also the um, podcast is learning with the body in mind. Is that yeah. what Yeah, learning with teaching. the, yeah, teaching, teaching. teaching with the body teaching in with mind. The body there in you mind. go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm sure they've got a, a well, uh, a well thought out um, explanation of their, their, their rough and double play policies and procedures in their handbook, right? No. Okay. Um, yeah. I would love to say yes. I would love to say yes, Jeff. But well, I mean, you can't say yes because I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think most programs just, just don't. And, and that's, that's one of the things that that programs really need to, to, to focus on is, is creating. I, I've been reviewing handbooks, and I, I've seen a lot of handbooks that, that go on for, for a page or two about their, their policies and their procedures for, for kicking children out of their program. 
but they they don't spend any time explaining what they mean by play and all of its different flavors and and permeations and and how they're going to support it um and, and so it's 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 a real struggle it's it's we're not going to define what we expect to go on here but here's how we're going to kick your kid out when they don't follow up to this the standards that we don't don't clearly explain to you it's it's a it's a real it's a real mess a lot of heads nodding okay let's move on to something else first i gotta go through my recipe for um for creating a a jeff's hard lemonade anybody looking for making a nice cocktail this summer so um jeff's hard lemonade you start out with uh with a with a lemon, you got to slice that lemon in half and and squeeze half of it into your into your pint glass. Okay, look, listeners, I've been using my lemon squeezer to squeeze oranges lately. I mean, squeeze uh, my lime squeezer, my lime juicer to squeeze lemons lately, and uh, I feel like a real bad boy because my lime juicer is is green and the lemons are yellow. So it just, I mean. Wow. Um, so anyway, you squeeze that half a lemon into the glass. You you add a little bit of a sweetener. Like I, I've got a, a non-sugar a non artificial sweetener I've been using. Low, no calorie. Not sure it's really healthy, but I think it's better than sugar. Anyway, sweetener of your choice to to your your flavor level. And then you 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 squirt a bunch of water in there. You can you can use the, you know, you can use a club soda if you want. Just uh just plain old water is good. Um, and then you mix that up a little bit, then you add your your adult beverage of choice. I like rum because I'm basically a pirate. And uh, and then you top it off with some ice and a, a nice lemon garnish. And you end up with, with Jeff's hard lemonade. Um, so next time we do this, I hope everybody be to be drinking a Jeff's hard lemonade. But the other thing, have, have any of the episodes um, about mush where we, we get into my mushroom scenario come out yet? I was thinking that your eyebrows were looking a little bushy. Oh yeah. Oh, thank you. Okay. So, so I gotta, I gotta get you guys take on the mushroom thing. So here's the deal. There's been a, a asteroid, uh, an asteroid meteor, something passes through the, uh, the, the earth's, uh, earth's orbit. Um, it reduces, it releases radiation. Everybody is affected. You now have body mushrooms. You have to have body mushrooms. They grow someplace on your person. And at least once a week, you have to consume some of your mushrooms or you'll die. Um, where where are your mushrooms growing, Sally? Oh, um, I actually did hear that recent episode and I spent a lot of deep thought on this one. And well, I good, decided- good, because that's what this show is about. We want people to think deeply about the things that come up. So uh, what did you decide? I decided they needed to be on my right shoulder. So when I put my seatbelt on to drive, they're not going to be disrupted. Um, it's not somewhere I touch very often. So they will be able to grow very nice. I see a cat. Heather, <laughs> I yes, see your cat. Yes, Heather, Heather is being Okay, sorry, I got to focus. Focus. Um, so mushrooms on the right shoulder can be consumed weekly. I hope they don't take up too much of the like Texas sweat in there. But um, yes, that's that no, would everything be everything would just be pre-salted. And and it's kind of like a wearing a corsage kind of thing. It's like you're always going to the ball. Um, I think that'd that'd be good. Uh Heather, where's where where are you growing your mushrooms? I'm dead. I will not be growing any mushrooms. I, I, as soon as you said that in your podcast, I was like, nope, no mushrooms. I would just perish. So you're anti-mushroom? I do not like mushrooms. Yeah. Tasha wouldn't even let me get the, uh, the full scenario out before she said she was not participating in any way. Um, okay. <laughs> so there's two of you dead. Uh, Debbie, what's your mushroom situation? Okay. I'm okay with mushrooms, mm -hmm. but my husband loves mushrooms. So, <laughs> right when Jeff was drinking. So, and the, my camera's laughing because now my husband's laughing. Um, so, my husband loves mushrooms. So, I'll just leave it PG. How's that? <laughs> wow. 
I did not think the show was going to take this kind of turn. <laughs> um, but look, you look, he's got to eat his own mushrooms if he wants to stay alive. Um, and I mean, I, there's, there's no rule that you can't share. I mean, guess. we'll eat her husband's mushrooms and then yeah. her husband will eat hers. No, but you still got to consume <laughs> some of your own mushrooms. Um, but, okay. I hadn't even thought about that. That's, that's nasty. Um, Clevette, where's your mushrooms? I haven't listened to the episode, so I've got no idea what you're talking about. But when I heard Sally, I was like, she seems very well prepared. My first thought was just, I can have mushroom mustache. That way I can just easily like lick it and just eat it from there. Okay. I don't know. Okay. That that would be a way of going. I, I, I'm going to have eyebrows. That's where I'm going with. Um, so I can just pluck them. Um, and and Jody, what's your what's your mushroom situation? Well, I really liked Carol's idea of like on the back of your neck. So you can mm -hmm. have your hair cover it. But then yeah, yeah, but uh I can't remember who I, I think I was talking to Nicole about this. Um, maybe that episode is not yet. If they end up if they're on the back of your neck, sure your hair covers them, but one, everybody on the planet has body mushrooms, and and so there's really no reason to hide them. And also, you're going to get hair stuck in your body mushrooms if they're on the back of your neck. Uh, you know, they're going to get that loose hair in there and you're going to have to you're going to have to pick that hair out of your mushrooms before you can prepare them or or things. So that's going to that's going to okay, be okay. earlobes, earlobe mushrooms. Well, then you you'd have, wouldn't have to change your earrings. You could mm -hmm. you get some of those fancy. They've got all kinds of fancy colored mushrooms. I think that I think that'd be a good one. Um, um, OK. Okay, I think we've beat the uh, the mushroom scenario to death. Um, anybody else have any final thoughts before we wrap this this happy hour up? You're not going to ask about the genitalia because I asked I asked my husband about the genitalia when the why the beach genitals. Yeah, yeah. Well, sure, we can talk about beach genitals. So, um, listeners, episode of Thousand, we got into beach genitals. I, I've been running across a lot of beach penises lately and hadn't run into any beach vulvas. And and uh, and uh, so, anybody have thoughts, I guess? Well, my husband said that that penises are just easier to draw. And that's why that's why you see them everywhere. And... I think that probably is true. And I, I, I was like, he's like, yeah, who's going to draw a vagina? He's like, nobody wants to draw that. So, I don't know. Any, anybody else have thoughts? Respectful disagree. <laughs> okay. We're, we're drawing curved lines here, right? Mm -hmm. However, I will say this much. You're going, we, we've already established in history that you're going to come across a drawn penis a million times more than you're going to come across the vulva or anything of that nature. So I think there's this, this hidden withdrawal, if you will, of even attempting because one, it, it's, it's prettier. So everybody's well, worried wait, they're going to mess it up. What's prettier? The vagina. I mean, okay. come on now. So, okay. I mean, the vulva. <laughs> yes. Yes. So yeah. it's prettier. So everybody's worried they're going to mess it up. Where it's all you got to sure. do is this and you're done. If you're, if you're going to do the penis, I mean, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's a little balloon animal and we're finished. So, but that's all Sally had to say. Um, oh, okay. Um, does, I can't look, I'm trying to find my spreadsheet here. Um, Okay, so this episode hasn't come out. I think uh, um, uh, a recently recorded episode where I, I divulged that I, I did find a beach vulva. Um, a, a few days after we recorded, I, I was walking along the beach and there was a, a beach vulva in the, in the sand. And the only way I knew was there is a, 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 a sand penis trying to, trying to enter it. Otherwise, I, would have, I wouldn't have known because, because it, would have just, it would have just been squiggles. Um, look, you all, you all are unmuted to be, be polite, but half of you are laughing and this would be a better podcast if we could hear that. But, um, otherwise just me talking about, uh, vulvas, um, but, uh, <laughs> okay, fine. You can hear the laughter, Jeff, everybody unmute, <laughs> but, uh, 
but uh, and so I, I was really happy to see it. But if that if that sand penis hadn't been there, like I said in the other episode, I'm not sure I would have been able to identify it as a as a vulva. It would have just been it would just been squiggles. So I don't I don't know. Um. Um. So I think Sally's point is good too. The the art because you think about it and there's a lot of there's a lot of penis representation in art, especially like, like the Renaissance and all the naked men. And I mean, there was a lot of boobs. I think you get a lot of boobs, but not, you know, breasts, but not, uh, I think Georgia O'Keeffe, right? Is like sure. the only artist who's really famous for like, that there's like these representations. So I think this is probably true too. So I, I mean, I guess the takeaway is that every everybody needs to get get away to the beach this summer and and draw a beach vulva and then uh, and then text me a picture at two two eight three six three six seven three seven. Well, I I think you have to stand back after you do it and then wait and watch for like reactions. Like, do people walk by? And go, oh, and you know, or oh, and you know, see, you're gonna have to put a lot of depth see. into it for that. Well, mm. I'm going to mm -hmm. the beach in a few weeks, so maybe I'll, I'll use loose parts. I'll use shells and rocks sure. and get more well, of a 3D if, thing instead if, of if a, I don't, a two dimensional. If I don't get a picture from you, I'm going to be very, very disappointed. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> well, this has been the the first child care bar and grill happy hour. Um, anybody want to plug anything before we wrap this up? Anybody got any? This is going to go out sometime in July. Anybody got anything going on? They want to. Want to tell people about? Encourage rough and tumble play. That's all I got to say. And Sally might be running for mayor or city school board. School board, right? Are you I'm looking into board? it. Yes, I'm looking into it. Um, it doesn't seem as easy because it's not a typical ISD, but I am looking into it. Yes. Well, everybody here at the Child Care Bar and Grill will be uh, will be ready and and eager to. Uh, to help campaign for you and uh, create campaign slogans. Probably not come to Texas and hand out flyers. That seems like a lot of work. Um, this has been the Child Care Bar and Grill podcast, the world's longest running and most prolific early learning podcast. Thanks for listening. Back soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye, -bye. Bye. Oh, you know what I should have done? I should have mentioned how people could, uh, could join us next time, but, uh, uh, hey, listeners, I'll leave this part in. If you want to join us, go. Uh, there's a link in the show notes, and you go to PlayVolutionHQ slash CCBAG if you want to join us for the next happy hour, fourth Tuesday of the month, 7.30 p.m. Central Time. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.